This is Paul Brooker, and you're listening to the Film Focus podcast. Hello and welcome to the Fulham Focus podcast. I'm Jay Mack, your host, reporting live from somewhere incredibly, inescapably middle class. We will be discussing our defeat to West Ham, the inevitable abyss of relegation as Fulham are close to setting up an even newer, brand new Riverside stand of our permanent dwelling at the bottom three of the Premier League. But first, thanks to Paul Brooker for opening the show. A local lad from Hammersmith, Paul signed for Fulham as a schoolboy and went on to make 70 appearances for the club, scoring six goals. He was most used substitute during the famous Mickey Adams promotion season at the age of just 19 and made a big impression, even being tipped by some journalists as the future Ryan Giggs. Sadly, as the club grew under the takeover of Alfayed, Paul's first team opportunities diminished and he eventually left to pursue a career elsewhere, winning back-to-back promotions with Brighton in the early noughties. So check out Danny's Q&A with the Paul on our website at fulhamfocus.com. So Paul Brooker, we salute you. All right, John and Matt Dahmer with me. Let's go. Fulham. All right, so guys, well, we've seen us all before, really. Um, the lineup seemed good, but it was Kenny on the right again, and Ranieri decided to do a 4-4-2. There was controversy with handballs, and, you know, we'll get on to that in a minute. But most importantly, first of all, Mr. Dom, how are you? And what is better, or worse, rather? What is worse, clappers or bubbles? <laughs> I'm good, Matt. Um, worse, I mean, mm. simply because of the fact that, you know, we're clappers and they're bubbles. It's got to be bubbles, isn't it? Yeah, I think bubbles is pretty worse. There's something, you, there's something extraordinarily lame about bubbles and there's something just just quite lame about clappers. It's just terrible. As soon as the bubbles came on, my other half was watching the game with me at the pub and managed to like, basically just string her along to watching the game and she just saw the bubbles coming out and just went, what the fuck is that? You know, just, she never realised that bubbles would ever play at a football game Yeah, it's a sensible reaction. I mean, <laughs> as, she as an outsider, it, what else would you think? Well, she she saw all the she saw all the um, you know, the mascot kids walking beside the uh, players as they came out. I said, "Is that for the kids?" And I just said, "It might as well be." To be honest, uh, John, how are you, mate? How, what do you think? Clappers or bubbles, or do you not really care either? <laughs> Uh, well, it's, I've not lost sleep over it, but um, I've got, <laughs> got to go with the clappers. I mean, they, they make some noise for the younger and older generations. Bubbles, I think it is bizarre. I think in the home game, they were bu- it was freezing cold. And I was like, is it snow or bubbles? And it turned out to be bubbles. <laughs> Brilliant. And so, <laughs> right. I mean, look, as, as I was saying earlier, we, we saw the lineup and we were quite maybe not excited. There's nothing to be excited about anymore. We're all just dust. But, you know, we were intrigued at least. But he went for the 4-4-2 with Kenny on the right where he's not very good. And Babel had a chance and he missed it. And we thought, here we go again. But we scored. We scored very early in the third minute or sixth minute. I can't remember. And we still messed it up. So now looking back and all the times that we've, you know, we've nearly won a game where you have a good start against Man United and Spurs. And we say, oh, if only we'd score that goal. Well, we did score that goal and we still lost. So we know it wouldn't have worked in the games prior to this. Um, I mean, g- general thoughts from you, Dom, of how, I mean, are we getting worse? Are we getting better? What do you think? Uh, well, we're not getting better, are we? Yeah. Uh, that, that one, that, that's a pretty quick answer. Yeah. And I think it's kind of touching on what you just said. We, we've been saying all season, you know, oh, if we could just take one of these chances, we can get our nose in front. Maybe there's something in that. And particularly with, Ranieri's style of play, you know, getting behind the ball and trying to make it difficult for the other team. If we got our noses in front, maybe that would work. But as soon as we got ahead, we just gave them the ball and they they really, they were comfortable. I mean, it, it, I don't think we did made it difficult enough for them to score. And they were just, you could see that they were comfortable. They, they passed it around. We gave them, you know, I don't know what the possession stats were, but it was, it's got to have been over 60%. And when a team with good players has that much of the ball, they're going to create chances. They they didn't need to panic. They were cruising, really, and we couldn't keep up with them. It just it just looked like towards the end of the game as well, it was just a, a training match, really, and then more than that. So, I mean, what more can you say? It's just, it's terrible. We're not getting better. I think 
I think you could probably argue the case that we are getting worse because we now don't play to our strengths, yeah. which is which is attack, and you know, so just just all very predictable as we pretty much say every week. Yeah, I mean, we had a really nice start at the beginning, of course. I mean, then it was about twenty seconds of actually looking quite good. But John, you were saying in the WhatsApp group just how many corners we were conceding and how little we actually got ourselves corner-wise. But what were your thoughts on just how awful we were in this game? Um, it it was a very frustrating watch. It, it all feels very deja vu, to be honest. I mean, even looking back to the home game against West Ham, it, you couldn't almost make two carbon copies of a game so similar. And we had early chances, which we didn't take. Then we, we, we took one of them in this game. But, I mean, I've bleated on about momentum. But, like, what, you know, you've got the early goal, you know, you've got fans behind you, maybe they're feeling a bit edgy. And then you just say, here you go. Like, play how you want to play and we'll do what we're rubbish at. And um, and we did. And playing to our strengths would be keeping some of the ball, a bit of, bit of possession and um, attacking. We are not good at defending set pieces. And we just gave that. It was criminal, the amount of chances. And it was havoc. I mean, I don't know who was told to mark who, but there, there seemed to be a lot of mismatches. And yeah, you, you know, I, I was even saying during the game, like, I can understand the kind of Hodgson two banks of four getting back, just making the play in front of you. We weren't doing that. I, I, I see no cohesion, no no, no idea. It really felt like there were groups of like Reem and Kearney were, were trying to kind of play the ball about a bit. But then the new fella, as soon as he got the ball, boom, just kick it to their keeper. And they were just all reading off different different sheets. It, it was it, well before they equalised. I thought this is, this is only going to go one way. It, the same mistakes again, the same frustrations again playing players where they're not very good. I, I heard the interview before the game from Ranieri saying things were going well in training, we were doing this and that, and my spirits lifted. I thought, oh, you know. Um, but then I realised when you listen to what he says after the game about like the subject, we were booing the fact that Shirley was going up. I mean, the guy is either lying through his teeth or he's absolutely clueless. So I don't think a word he says can be taken seriously anymore, I'm afraid. Yeah. And you you get mentioning John uh, before saying there's a lack of identity. There's such a lack of identity, and it's what everyone's saying on Twitter as well. Matt, how would you respond to the lack of identity? Is it a lack of identity, or is it just generally we don't have the players good enough to represent either identity? Yeah, I mean, it's I see it as um, you know we we had that identity last year. We had um, so much praise for the way we played football. Uh, we were all going to the cottage and absolutely loving it, even. You know, we, we won most of the time, but even when we didn't win, we could at least say, you know, we, we've played well. That was a great game of football. It was entertaining. Um, so I think that that has been our identity. And I sort of see it as um, the players who were part of that still see themselves as that that team. You know, they, they want to play that way. Yeah. But they've got a new guy in who's telling them to, to do the opposite. Yeah. And uh, what do you think, what do you expect is going to happen there? Because... You're getting a, a manager who had, has a different way of seeing football than the players he's got. Uh, and as John said, on the pitch, it, it's not working. They look like different groups of players playing a different game. And when you're struggling in the Premier League, that's the last thing you need. I, I think what's what's worth kind of noting is that we had such an identity last year and under Slav. It was possibly we were too far that way for it to work in the Premier League. Um so obviously, when you go from such a contrast, it's going to feel like a, a you know, a, it's going to feel like more of a change than maybe it possibly is. But I honestly can't see what we're trying to do. I can't even right. see what we're trying to do, and that's well, that's what's incredibly frustrating. And I mean, going over well trodden on ground again, but like, it just shows you how bad an appointment Ranieri was. Because even now we're talking about kind of next season and players. I mean, it, everything's up in the air, but. This this manager in the middle, of, if he doesn't stay, is just completely thrown everything. Completely thrown everything, and that God knows what we're going to try and do. Is it seems like starting from scratch again, which is not very sustainable. And when you spent money on players and you had a successful squad of players, I mean, the players from last season aren't going to want to stay under this manager. The players from this season are probably on too high wages, probably don't want to stay. And you know, what on, what on earth do we do? I, it, we've we've created a much bigger problem. And if you look at t- teams like Cardiff or Crystal Palace or like that, like you can see what they're trying to do. I could not tell you what on earth we're trying to do. I, I kind of also think that part of that identity was 
there was kind of like a, a whole club approach, you know, the way the way that Slav brought Sessegnon through and trusted him, mm. even though he eventually moved him further forward, but he started at left back. They trusted him at the start of the season when he was, uh, you know, he, he was just 16. And Ranieri, I, I, I can't forgive Ranieri for the way he has dealt with uh, Sessegnon. He's, he's sort of, I can sort of see what he's doing in that he, he wants to give a bit of a kick up the bum. He's not the finished product. But I don't think Sessegnon responds in that, in that same way to, to kind of being criticised by not, you know, not being tough enough. And uh, we saw, you know, he, he he started okay against West Ham and got the assist. But after that, he was a shadow of the player we saw last season. And even this season, even though he hasn't been that good, there was still, he still played better than that. He he gave up on chasing the ball so many times. I've never seen that from him. And I, I think that's, you know, that's quite a lot down to the way that he's been managed by Ranieri. And and that for, for a club like us, who certainly, you know, we, we put a lot of emphasis on our young players and we're proud of the, the academy. That, that's just not good enough. And it's too short term for me. And I, and I don't like it. And would you say Sessignon is low on confidence or low on quality for this league at the moment? Because obviously his levels have dropped quite a lot. And I'd be interested to know your thoughts on that. Um, I, th- I think it's a bit of both. I think he, we all said when we went up that he was far from the finished article and he's been tried in a few different positions. And, you know, there was some debate amongst us whether he, he could have been, maybe he's he's more of a striker, but, and there was that debate. So I think we, we all kind of agreed that there's, there's he, he still needs to learn and he still needs to step up. Sure. But so he, he hasn't been given, he hasn't been given that chance under Ranieri. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's what it is, I think. Okay. And, you know, I'm going to sort of just delve out some quotes from fans off Twitter and stuff, just so we can actually discuss them. Cause there's some good ones. Well, depressing ones. And one of them is, uh, this is a team of the most disjointed players I have ever seen, and hints of QPR, the, rele- uh, the QPR relegation team from season 13, uh, 14, 15. John, would you would you agree with that? If 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 we were against the QPR squad, for instance, um, if we were facing them now with uh, Rob Green, um, Anuha, Richard Dunn, or Rio Ferdinand, or Steve Colker, Clint Hill, Matt Phillips, Joey Barton, Sandro, or Carl- Leroy Furl, Charlie Austin, Samora, all that lot, or Tarapt, our old friend, like I mean. Do you think this team is worse than that? And also, just generally, I mean, Dave, the guy's right with what he says. We are completely lacking of any cohesion whatsoever. Cohesion, the word you used earlier. Yeah, it would be an awful game, but that would probably make it quite interesting. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't even know. I don't want to think about it. I think the, the cohesion thing is is in, it's just incredibly important to me because I actually think there's players who think and probably do know better than the manager. There's players who are doing what the manager says, and you know we're just all singing off different hymn sheets. And it, I mean, even it's just, it's just such a negative approach. And I, on, I'm going to put a question to you guys: um, Can you see a style? Can you see anything? Like we're not doing a high press. We're not doing two banks of four. Uh, we've got Mitrovic up front, who isn't a fast player. We're, we're lumping balls beyond him. I mean, what is, you know, I mean. I cannot for the life of me see what we're trying to do. And then when you when you can see what you're trying to do, you can see where you're failing. But it just seems clues. Do you think, can you see anything? I mean, I can only see it based on having having an understanding of how Ranieri's played in the past, you know, with, with Leicester and 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 Nantes, for example, and, and other teams he's managed. It it can it, it can work with the right group of players, but you need, you need. If you're playing a two in the middle, you need both of those to be good attacking and good defensively. We've got Chambers, who you know, credit to him, he's a good blocker. He gets in the way, but he can't pass. We've got Seri, who is great at linking defense to uh, midfield to attack, but he he doesn't really get stuck in like he should be in a mm. in a two in the middle. So I can't I can't see. I, mean, I can see what we're trying to do just because of I know how Ranieri plays, but. I can also see that it's just not going to work with this group of players. So, um, <laughs> so I don't but, know I the answer apart from is, is there any is there any logic at all on because for me if you've got Seri and Chambers in the middle, kind of Seri adventuring further forward, Kenny behind Mitro, and then Babel and Sess on the wings, like that that makes sense. That makes sense yeah. to me. What? How many times have we realised that Kenny isn't a wide player, but he's still doing it? I mean, yeah. No, I thought that's how it was going to be when I saw the lineup. Yeah, um, me too. 
<laughs> and then you, you 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 see it start to play out, and you, Ken uh, Kenny's out there on the right wing, and it's just oh, I mean, you just, we... wonder, you just wonder how ninety percent of, the, if not more, of the fan base can see something and call for something. And three years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah, a manager can't, well. a manager can't, yeah, yeah, a manager can't see it, and he's being paid fuckloads, and no. we sat here recording on a laptop. <laughs> I, I think some managers, they they can fit players into their system or some plant manager tried to fit players into a particular system other managers and managers i think are the better managers and i think slav can come under this category as well he they can sort of develop a system around the players that you've already got you know we we, we play differently to the way watford played when they went up they had very kind of pacey direct wingers and whereas we're much more of a we were much more of a passing team so managers need to be able to adapt to the players they've got uh, Ranieri's trying to trying to put square pegs in round holes, and yeah. there's no reason. You know, it, it's quite clear that's why we are where we are now. Obviously, it it had gone downhill before that, but with the right man, I think we could have turned it around. And that isn't Ranieri. I I think one of the things that um that really makes me think of how good a job Slab did do is just how he was kind of left with a brand new squad every season, and he really wasn't supported, kind of in a very constructive way in, in the windows. And actually what he got every season was the squad to just keep keep improving. I think um, he suffered massively by having so many new players this year. I, I think he he wanted to give them all a go. But, I mean, under Ranieri, we, players are losing confidence. They're being left out. They're having bust-ups. They're being shipped out. You know, we buy, we promised signings and we get, like, dregs. Come on. I mean, I think we were saying either get players for the championship or if you're going to go all out, go all out. And we, we didn't mm. either. I don't think these players are even, you know, they wouldn't stay. It's uh, it's abysmal. And, you know, the goalkeeping situation at the beginning of the season was an absolute farce as well. But we'll we'll get on to Sergio Rico in a minute. I actually want to talk before, before one of his errors. I'd actually just like to quickly have a little debate about the handball situation. Now, terrible goal. And to be honest, if it wasn't ruled out, if it was ruled out, I don't think it would have changed the result. But I just want to talk to you really briefly about the moral side of this. And I'll go to you first, Matt. Do you think Hernandez should have just fessed up to that and actually just held his hands up? Pun intended. <laughs> um, it, it's really tough. I mean, it's kind of in cricket, that is a sort of thing that is um, frowned upon, you know, if you... Yeah. If, for example, you edge it behind and you get caught by the wicketkeeper, the umpire doesn't hear it. You're supposed to, you know, walk off and you know make it make it look like you uh, you've you've made the you've got the hit. But um, in football, it's kind of different, isn't it? That it's almost as if that gamesmanship is part of it, and you yeah. can get away with cheating. Then 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 you do. Um, and I, I'm sort of looking at it from the point of view, if it was a Fulham player, it hit his hand and it had gone in, would I be annoyed if he'd owned up to it? Oh, well, yeah, good, great point. <laughs> probably. I probably would want him to try and get away with it, as, as, which limits my ability to be frustrated, to be honest, because let's face it, it was dreadful defending. He shouldn't have been able to get that chance to score anyway. And so, mm-hmm. so he deserves it, really, based on that. But... um but yeah, I'll complain that he's a little cheat. Well, <laughs> that's because it didn't happen to us. No, fair enough. And I think a lot of fans are feeling the same way. Um, well, this leads us on to the debate that I want to have. It's it's scapegoat time, guys. And I think the newest one today, I think who should we pick this week? It's going to be Sergio Rico for me. And I would just like to know, John, your opinion of Sergio Rico's recent, recent performances. I mean, is there a potentially potential chance here that a few amazing saves from him as uh, sugar-coated actually are quite a... Um, accident-prone goalkeeper. I mean, he's not catching the ball enough. He's punching it. He's out of position. He's slipping. I mean, just he was at fault for pretty much the start of the hell that actually unleashed against West Ham. Yeah, I agree. I've, I've been underwhelmed with him for quite a while. I'd, I'd like to just briefly go back on the old um, the handball because I, no, I, yeah. I think um, it was shocking and I, I, w- I would not have been at all upset if a Fulham player put their, held their hands up pun once again intended. I... I um, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And I was I, a question I'll put back to you guys is if a, if a defender is on the line and he does that to prevent the ball going in, then I think that's a straight red yeah. and a, a penalty. So if you then score a goal in the other end with your hand to gain an equal advantage, surely if it was seen, which it wasn't, it should be the same punishment. I think it wasn't seen. It's all it's all too late now. But um, 
yeah. I mean, even even I think Norvelt was on the back post at that, and but he wasn't. And if he was, it wouldn't have been a goal. So that That's that was right. frustrating. Um, Rico's fatted to deceive for me. I don't think he's made he's made a few worldies, but he's not making the kind of bread and butter saves. I just don't see him get near enough, to be honest. He was so bad in the box. It must terrify the players around him who are who are not good themselves. But yeah, that it really um. We've, getting three keepers to start off with is surely a massive problem because you've got you've just signed a keeper, you've got your first choice from last season, and then you bring in another kind of supposedly it's just it's it's almost causing um friction in the ranks when there was no need. Um, that was a bit of a bizarre decision. It seems this is what happens when you're playing badly that the best player is the one who's not playing basically. So yeah, I don't know if we if we stuck them all in a line and saw who could say, but. <laughs> You know, Betts is out now. Fabry, his attitude has stunk, to be honest, but he's actually ours and um, and Rico isn't, although I heard he said he, w- he would like to stay, whether that's just rubbish. But um, I don't know. I, n- none of them have looked up to it. And um, if you've got a shaky keeper at the back for crosses, get near their man and try and cover the cross, which we didn't do all game, and don't put the ball out for double figures of, of um, corners and free kicks. Um, yeah, especially don't put the corner out, put out for corners if you're going to defend. All of a sudden, I mean, what, what was that about? We're suddenly playing zonal defence, are we? Uh, yeah, I don't know where that came in, but um, we've got Sessignon marking or sort of marking the zone of six foot four Diop, who makes a run, and then he can, you know, get a jump on. I can't even remember who it was. Norvite was it for his header? But but yeah, Rico. I mean, I was a massive advocate of Rico before before he came into the team and also if his first few games i think i think he is still a really good keeper but those things that he's he's weak at are what really annoy me about goalkeepers to be honest we've been crying out since mark schwarzer for a goalkeeper who will you know claim crosses shout at his defense and just kind of make that box his uh i, I think it was Bettinelli's weakness and it's, it's why i i wanted a different keeper tried but it appears to be rico's weakness as well um, he doesn't come off his line, and he's he's players are scoring headers from within our six yard box, and I, that's the keeper's area, isn't it? So I, I think he has been really poor lately. Um, I know Betnelli's injured, so he's out for the season. Um, Fabry, I don't think really got a good enough crack of the whip. So maybe he, he, as John says, he's our player. Maybe he'll be here with us next season. I think Rico would only stay if we stay up. So maybe it's worth giving him a go now with an eye on next season. And, and we were talking about Nordvite, and we'll talk about Markovic as well. How how do you think the new signings looked uh, to you guys? I mean, I thought Nordvite looked, apart from you know ball watching for the first goal, um, I thought he had some nice passes on him. He looked okay. I think someone described him as a as a pretty much a, a Amorabieta Mark II, which is not terribly good, but not too awful either. Um, and Markovic looks fast and that's about it, but you never know who could improve, but I don't think Liverpool fans think that. Um, just your general thoughts, guys, on the subs. I'll start with you, John. Or the new, sorry, the new signings, rather. Um, I I wasn't massively, imp- I wasn't massively impressed. I mean, I think the new plays, probably listening to the manager's instructions, which was just lump it as soon as he could. The amount of times when they had the ball, we win it back, he wins it back, and then he wasn't even really looking for a player, just get it into their half. It, it was coming straight back and kind of heaping more pressure on us. Because on the other side, Ream was playing some kind of suicidal process sometimes. But that's that's what got us success and that's what he was good at last season. Um, Markovic, I mean, every player needs a chance. I mean, for, for, for our club, if they sign for us, they, they, deserve, they deserve a chance. But I mean, the damage that could have done to Cesc, uh, alone makes me think it was it was a, a poor poor decision and yeah the, the signings this window I think Barbel Barbel not not a bad signing at all actually but the other ones I'm I'm not at all enthused by to be honest yeah no I I agree entirely with John about Nordfight I think he was sort of lumping it up as instructed I think he's slightly taller than the defenders we've got I think he he could be all right but you know it, we need a lot better than him if we're going to have any chance. And Mar- Markovic, I think it looked like his, his feet were too quick for his own head. So he, he sort of got going a couple of times, but then he left the ball behind. Yeah. So you're not, you're not going to get very far, are you, with, with leaving the ball behind? He came on Mitrovic's recommendation. So there's a player in there somewhere. And I think there is a good player in there somewhere. But 
it'll probably take him two or three months to become any sort of decent player. And by which time we're back in the championship, aren't we? My, my kind of issue with all of the signings is they're all six month deals, um, which I, I, I can see why we could only, you know, encourage players on short term deals to come in the situation we're in. But if that was the case, I'd rather we'd have uh, stuck to the team that we had because I don't think they add anything at all, really. Yeah. Um, I mean, funny, d- d- oh, sorry, d- does it make any sense to put a new player in a back four who's been with the club? He was, was he injured? And then I think he was injured then. And then the first time he's in a new formation, we're also playing a new system from set pieces. It just seems like too much of a change. I can't I can't see how the players would have, you know. Welcome to Ranieri's logic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It just... You just um, very strange things occurring, isn't it? It was like he used him just because he was a new player, you know, not because he necessarily had anything to add. So, and I, yeah. so I, I think people, Maxime Lamarchon has been getting slated a bit, but I, I, I've been kind of more comfortable with him than Reem, to be honest, for a lot of the season. But we're picking between people who aren't up to it, aren't we? It's kind of shit and shit. Um, yeah, <laughs> really, it's not. Um, it's, it's not great. So well, I suppose I sympathise with Ranieri a bit for that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's what, funny. What, what about, so what about you, um, J-Mac? What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, I, I don't, I completely agree with both of you. And it's just, but it's funny you mentioned, mentioned uh, Maxime Lamarche. And I just, I just want to play you this. This is from uh, Matt Beclair. He was actually at the game. And it... <laughs> so that is our fans. Those are our fans at halftime, basically having a huge party at the Olympic Park Stadium and they just kept singing and sing. I've got to say the only saving grace about this season has actually been our away support and so like hats off to anyone who listens that goes to the away games I've been to a couple but not nowhere near enough to enjoy it to that scale I've yeah I'll just I'll end this before we go into the quiz actually I'm just saying how good our fans are uh and how they how they have been because none of us deserve this and I was just gonna ask you both if um Basically, if you if there was any opportunity you would like to actually go to an away game, which one would you choose of the coming games left? I, th- I think there was a plan that we might try and do a, um, a focused team out, try and get everyone to the Leicester away game. Um, Bournemouth, because it's got such a small ground, I think it's going to be unlikely we will be able to uh, get a ticket with a uh, poor loyalty points and all that. But I mean, the fans, the fans have been great, especially the away fans. They've been great all season. It's good that they can enjoy themselves. Um, I wonder what um, Maxime Lamarchon is kind of thinking, because some yeah. players, well, some players when they're sat on the bench or not in the squad might find that a little bit insulting, but um, hopefully he takes it in good humor. I think it's, that's, that's how it's, it's meant. I mean, you've got to thank the people who are still, still listening to us because blimey, it's just been such a shit show of a season. If you, if you're still with us, you deserve a, a, a big pat on the back. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't want this to sound harsh to uh, MLM, but I'm, I'm guessing, I mean, I, I think that he's, his chance getting chanted so much is because it's so catchy more than anything to yeah. do with his ability as a player. Um, so I don't think we can kind of read into, um, you know whether it was the fans wanting him to play or, or anything like that, but no, I no, he's no I, that wasn't, he's I wasn't. Gone. I wasn't suggesting that. I oh, wasn't yeah, suggesting sure, that. Yeah. I think it's clear that he's not. You know, he's not going to come in and score a hat trick or or keep a clean no. sheet for us. But um, <laughs> it's kind of. I think it's all tongue in cheek, which is you know, it's good self deprecating humour that we've got. Yeah, it fits our club, doesn't it? I think we'll be singing that song once he's left, and we'll probably be singing for Mitrovic next season. Uh, that will certainly be more about missing him. But yeah, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's nice that we can still enjoy games, even how how well the season, how badly the season's going. Yeah, it's just becoming a giant relegation party, basically, which is you know, ironically quite fun. All right, guys. Well, what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll have the quiz next, and then after that, we'll talk about Claudio and Saints and where the hell we go from here for the next game. But after this, it's the quiz. Fulham. And welcome back. And now it's time for the quiz. Now, round one is the higher or lower game, top flight seasons. All right. So the question is, post-Second World War, very important, post-Second World War, have Fulham spent more seasons in the top flight of English football when compared to the following clubs? So Fulham are currently in their 26th season in the top division. Then I will give you the name of a club and you tell me if it's higher or lower than 26. All right. If it's higher or lower than 26. Seasons. All right. Okay. So we will go for 
John, which set would you like? Set number one or set number two? Uh, I'll go for set number one, please. Set number one. All right. So, first team is Birmingham City, higher or lower than Fulham's 26? Uh, I'll go for higher. That is correct. Birmingham City have 31 seasons in the top division. Derby County. I'm going to go higher again. You are correct. Birmingham City have had 29 uh, seasons in the top flight. QPR? Oh, um, lower. Oh, you are correct. They have had 23 seasons in the top division to Fulham's 26. All right. Norwich City? Norwich? Uh, higher. They are just lower with 25 seasons in the top division, unfortunately. So that's three. And final one, Sheffield Wednesday. Higher or lower than Fulham's 26? Oh, I remember watching them when I was Higher. That is absolutely correct. Sheffield Wednesday have had 32 seasons in the top division to Fulham's 26. All right, so that's you done for the first round, my friend. Four out of five, that is not bad. That is not bad at all. All right, and Matt, let's go to you for set two. All right, so Portsmouth, higher or lower than Fulham's 26? Um, lower. You are correct. Portsmouth have had 21 seasons in, in the top division. Stoke City. Oh, uh, I think lower again. Higher. Stoke City have had 37 yeah. seasons in the top division. 37. It's amazing, isn't it? And next... Bolton Wanderers, higher or lower than Fulham's 26? Um, I'm going with higher. That is correct. Bolton Wanderers have had 32 appearances in the top division. And Charlton Athletic, higher or lower than 26? Uh, Lower. It is lower just. It's on 23 seasons in the top flight compared to Fulham's 26. And final one, final one, Coventry City. That's got to be lower as well. It's higher, mate. Coventry oh, City have had 34 appearances. 34 appearances in the top me. division, all in one spell from 1967 to 2001. That is that is actually outstanding. Well played, Coventry. Nice. All right, guys. So that is actually four apiece. So this could be a very tight game. All right. So we've got three there. You did, did you get three? You got four, didn't you? Did I? I think yeah. I got three. Okay. You, okay. Got, you got Portsmouth. You didn't get Stoke City. You got. Both. I didn't get. You did get uh, three. Yeah. Yeah. Whoops. Sorry. Okay. That's fine. Let's go back then. Um, I got four. All right. Oh, no, <laughs> no, you got four. Stop it. Um, right. Okay, guys. So after that, you are on four, John, and Matt is on three. So it is nice and close. Okay, right. Let's go to round two. This is the back and forth round. Can you name the eight Premier League teams that Fulham have beaten the most in all competitions across our entire history. Can you name the eight Premier League teams that Fulham have beaten the most in all competitions across our entire history? All right, guys, and I'll go to you first, Mr. Dunn, with this one. Is there it, is a is point that, each. Sorry, is that the eight current Premier League teams? Uh, the eight Premier League have beaten the uh, Hold on. Uh, yes, it is indeed. Yeah. Top okay. eight. Uh, let's go with Brighton. Brighton is number eight. You just got there. Oh. Nice one. Brighton is there. We have beaten Brighton 23 times in all competitions across our entire history. And to you, John. Oh, um, I remember something coming out recently about Crystal Palace. So I want to go for Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace is not in the top eight, I'm afraid. Crystal Palace is is 12th. We have beaten them 17 times. I'll go back to you, Mr. Matt. Um, I'm going to say Huddersfield. Huddersfield is, in, Huddersfield is in the top eight, is number five. We have beaten them 26 times. And to you, John? Oh, I'm throwing this one away. Um, Leicester. Leicester is number one, 
out of the top eight. Yes, mate. We have beaten them 39 times in all competitions across our entire history of the Premier League teams this season. Excellent. So that's a point for John and for you, Matt. Pretty tough. Um, uh, West Ham. West Ham is number two in the top eight. We have beaten them 32 times out of our entire history. And for you, John. Uh, Southampton. Southampton. Southampton is number nine, mate. I'm sorry. Southampton is number nine. We have beaten them 22 times. 22 times entirely. And last one for you, Matt. Last guess. Um, I'm going to go with Wolves. Wolves is number seven. We have beaten them 26 times. 26 times in our entire history. And for you, John, last guess for you, sir. Uh, Tottenham. No. No, no, no. Tottenham are 11. We have beaten them 18 times out of our entire history. So that is one for John in that round and is four out of four. Cracking form from Matt Domney. He's turned it around. So just so you know, the answers were the top eight are Leicester City with 39, West Ham with 32, Burnley with 31, Newcastle, 31 as well. So joint times we've beat, uh, joint 31, the amount of times we've beaten them. Fifth was Huddersfield. Sixth was Cardiff, uh, Cardiff City. Seventh was Wolves. They were both 26, Cardiff City and Wolves. And eight was Brighton. So those were the top eight. The top eight. And belief that you could have had Southampton, Everton, Spurs, Crystal Palace, Man City, Man United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Watford, Bournemouth. And we have beaten Arsenal the least. We have only beaten them eight times. But anyway, it doesn't matter because outside the top eight, so you wouldn't have got anything. So, but trivia is fun. All right, so Matt is on seven and John is on five. All right, guys, this is the last round. This is guess the player. And you know the rules. If you get fat one to two, one or two, you get five points. If you get fact three or four, you get four points. Five or six, three points, so on, so forth. I list out the facts. There's 10 of them and you try and guess and I will freeze you. John, you need to be quite tactical here, mate. So good luck. All right, so fact number one. This player is five foot seven tall. Fact number two. He was signed for five hundred thousand pounds in two thousand three. Right, you're outside the five point zone. Fact number three. He only scored two goals. Fact number four. He has played for Benfica. Okay, you're outside the four-point zone. Fact number five, he retired at the end of the 2005-2006 season. Fact number six, his last victory for the club was when we beat Chelsea 1-0 at the Cottage in 2006. He played the full 90 minutes that day. Oh, I should sure know this. You're about to get out the three-point zone. Yeah, I've been absolutely embarrassed myself for saying anything, so I'm not... (laughs) All right, fact number seven. He made the same amount of appearances for Fulham as he did for Wales, which is 54 appearances. I think I know it must be. Go on. Mark Pembridge. Mark Pembridge, I will freeze you there. I'm thinking, though. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, I've said it now. All right, Mark Pembridge, I'm going to freeze you there. You can get two points there, mate. Okay, and fact number eight... He was one of the assistants when Kit Simons was manager. Fact number nine, he is still employed by the club as a coach. Fact number 10, he is ginger. John, you haven't said a word. <laughs> no, I haven't. No, I, 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 was at, I was at that game, the Chelsea game, but my knowledge of football back then is horrendous. So I, I was thinking about no. Cambridge, but I think I'll just embarrass myself. So No, uh, mate, that's absolutely fine. So, Matt, you got two there. So it ends with Matt on nine points and John on five. Congratulations, Matt. And as the gift today, you are getting 11 spare tickets to go go-karting because Tom Kearney is no longer allowed to go. <laughs> um, so have, have fun with that. And um, as, a, as a sort of sympathy prize, John, I'm going to give you a... What am I going to give you? I'm going to give you a Cape Town City shirt with Chris David's name on the back just for old time's sake. How about that? Oh, Matt? brilliant. So you could be the finish line as well, John. <laughs> there you are nice one uh, good game guys nice one uh, we got there in the end alright so after this guys we will just talk about Saints and Claudio Ranieri Excellent. 
Fulham. All right, guys. So we have Saints coming up, and this is a game that Southampton have rested a few players for. It's a huge game for them. It's much. Well, I mean, it's obviously a big game for us, but I think we know the writing slightly on the wall here. So this is going to be quite tough, and you know, I'm now beyond the point of saying this is a six pointer. Like I said to you guys earlier, I feel like dust now. I just don't care. Um, but you know, just we'll we'll make this topic hand in hand with the Ranieri chat. You know, Ranieri after the game said, we now need, he's officially now said, we need a miracle to stay up. And I'm actually surprised, you know, it's Monday night. I'm surprised we actually haven't heard more news yet um, about Ranieri. And I hope we don't. Otherwise, this pod is going to seem incredibly old fashioned very quickly if it arrives as soon as we stop recording. But what I just wanted to know from, I'll start with you, John, of just your thoughts on what's going on with Ranieri and if it'll actually take the Saints game, a loss at the Saints game to get rid of him and install an interim? Uh, I've felt for a little while, because the season's been so depressing, that kind of we just need to very much kind of the old managerial spiel that take each game at a time, but more so for enjoyment levels. You know, if we kind of forget about the big picture, we can still play a great game and and um, like the Brighton one, for example, and we can have a great time and like, the, like with a bit of Maxine the Marshall to go with it. So, um, We've got we've got nothing to lose. Like we should we should be playing. Uh, you know, going going for the win, just going for it. Absolutely hell for leather because we have absolutely nothing to lose. I, I'm disappointed that Ranieri's still there. If I if I if I'm honest, because I just can't see him being there next season. And if that is the case, then this is kind of wasted time. Because if if it, if he wasn't alienating the players. Or if we know that Seskani and every if we if we're going to you know go to the bare bones next season like we have like we did last time we dropped then I suppose it makes little difference but we need to go for it and hopefully he can maybe start with a similar lineup to last week with players possibly slightly in the in the in the in the right place but God knows come on now <laughs> understand that now John um, yeah I, I'm also surprised I I, I kind of felt that like the weekend was it. For Ranieri, because you know there was lots of rumours that he was kind of in the last chance saloon already, um, mm. and he's only won one out of eight, and that's that's poor. Whether you're uh, at the team nineteenth or whether you're at the team second, but I, I kind of it, Tom Tom Kenny, the, the club put something on the website today. At, Tom Kenny was saying about how kind of pissed off he was basically by um, not having the ball. And that, that mm. sort of echoes what I think a lot of us have said on this on this podcast and a lot of fans say uh, online that it's just to go from, you know, swaggering, having the ball, trying to play football to the exact opposite of that and, and how that would affect the, the players who are used to a certain style. So, so John Kenny's almost said now, do you know what, let's just take it into our own hands. And if, if the rumours to be believed, that's what happened against Brighton. Um, so... You know they're they're not playing for Ranier anymore. They're playing, if not to keep Fulham in the league, to keep themselves in the league next year. By if yeah, they perform well point. until the end of the season, then maybe someone will pick them up if they don't want to stay. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what I want to see now. I want to see at least us trying going going to win the games, and it, it will take more than Ranieri to do that because you know going out and scoring five goals isn't his style. Um, so yeah, I, I'd if we lose, he's gone for sure. But um, you know, I mean, <laughs> I don't really care anyway about, about <laughs> because the damage has been done now. Yeah, totally. I mean, I want to win, but not because I think it's going to keep us up. Just because actually, I it would just be nice to have a win away. I mean, I'll I'll I will start riots about it. It'll be great in a good in a good kind of riots. I mean, it just it'd be nice to actually go down with. I mean, just, I don't think, is it actually possible we can go a whole season without a win away? I just, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it's, it's it beggars belief. But going on to the Southampton game as well, and, you know, like you say, if Ranieri will be completely curtains for him if we lose, do you think that Parker is already being lined up potentially? And I'll go to you with that, John. I don't, it's, I don't know. Um, I, I've not been kind of shouting his name. I think you're you're a big fan of his, and um, yeah. you know, I think he's an upstanding citizen. And he's even, you know, he he he, uh, he was a model professional. But there, there were some things coming out of the club that he's a bit of a bit of a bit 
big for his own boots and kind of could divide the dressing room with uh, people who wasn't so welcoming. I, 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 I struggled to get a manager with no experience in this in the situation we're in. Seems a little bit naive, to be honest. There are better candidates on paper, but then you have to look at Ranieri, who who has won stuff and you know he's been a manager for a long period of time yeah. I think you, you were mentioning um I don't want to steal your points but saying you know like Gerard um Lampard um Gary Monk did it for a bit L- lots of people I mean I think no Martinez maybe not but lots of people have have done it so and and been a success so there's no reason why it can't happen again I mean managers need a first job somewhere but yeah in, but in my- the prem in the prem is it is it not too soon I mean Well, my point is, John, like the reason I'm thinking Parker for this situation is actually because like how Darren Moore was introduced um, with when the season, like last season when West Brom went down was just to galvanise the squad, knowing that they were going down, but actually injecting a little passion, a little bite and a bit of belief that we could actually, we, not we, they, West Brom, could start the next season of the championship with a little bit of flair under them. And what Darren Moore is currently doing with the no experience that he had, really, I mean, he was an assistant manager, like sort of Scott Parker is, he's actually got West Brom to, I believe, fifth at the moment, and they're playing out of their skins in that league. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. I mean, for, for me, I, I don't even, I don't think the rest of the season... I don't think we're going to have that much of a squad. I'm not sure. I think that for me, the main thing with Ranieri going is the fact that he's burnt bridges with players. He's lost players. And I think if you got a manager in now and got some feel good in the club, we could convince a few people to stay. And yeah. I think that for me is much, and maybe that's what he did. And for me, that is hugely important because he's kind of ripped, ripped the heart out of us. He's ripped the style. I think the blame lies on so many levels really, because his appointment was an absolute disaster. And without me doing any research, and I was in Australia when Leicester won the league, I didn't watch them play. Um, when I, when we were kind of, when he announced he was signing for us and I read his, oh, I don't want the ball. I don't want, I kind of thought, no, nah, surely, surely our director of football would have spoken to him and said, no, we've played like this for three years. We've bought players to do that. It's incredibly successful for us so far. We're going to keep doing that. But no, it, he's literally gone from one end to the polar opposite alienated the players he's ruined so for me now I think something in the middle of him and Slav and who can get the players to enjoy themselves realize you know um what the club's like and I think the feeling from the fans now towards Claudio is, is is toxic the feeling towards the owner is now toxic and if we could have someone we can kind of warm to yeah then that could be the saving grace because the players want you know they are they are trying. I'm certain they're trying, whether it, whether they're good enough or not. Um, and they don't want to be booed off the pitch. They don't. You know, we, we we if we could end this, then we might actually. Cess might stay for a season. Kenny might stay. I think a lot of the others will. You know, won't be. But even people like K Mac and stuff like that. Like if there's, they might feel there's something to stay for. Whereas at the moment, if we keep going out with a whimper like this, I think we are. Um, we might have a mass exodus, and then God knows, God knows what yeah. we're going to do next I, season. I think there's potentially then. Um, you know, you know, J Mac. I've not been pro Scott Parker either. Sure. Um, but just just on the basis of what John was saying there, someone who knows the club, who knows the players. You know, Scott Parker was in the team where um, Tom Kenny was playing in the same team, so they 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 do know each other. But also, could could he be that person in the middle? Uh, where we, as, as John said, we went from one extreme to the other. And what we really needed was someone who could just tighten us up a bit, but keep us, you know, keep our creativity. Scott Parker's been here through both of those. Um, he's been here through relegations and he, he's, you know, he's been with us when we were in the championship as well. So potentially, you know, there's, he's got those things going for him. I think the issue with getting rid of Ranieri now is our potential best candidates are at clubs and doing well. Uh, so, you know, Lee Johnson is the obvious example. We've, we've mentioned that before. Um, he's not going to leave until the end of the season if he doesn't get Bristol City up. But if he does, there's no way he's going to jump across to us. No um, and yeah, the other danger is if Parker does well on the back of just the fact that there's a, a you know a, a boost in a similar way to the, what Kit Simon's got, but then ultimately it turns out to be a poor manager, yeah. then we're we're stuck with you know a, a poor championship season again, and we've got it all to do. So, so that's kind of. I, I'm sort of I'm not against giving it to Parker to the end of the season, now, but at this point, might might we just stick with Ranieri and change it again at the end of the season? 
because I mean, it, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I know it stinks of three managers again in the season, but I just rather do the Scott Parker thing now and see what it's like. Because even though the Kit Simons things ended in disaster, not even disaster, just not very. It wasn't a disaster out of the Kit Simons. It just well, it could have been. We nearly got relegated to League One, but you know what I mean. It wasn't like, <laughs> McGath, it, it, it wasn't like you know, McGath. Oh my God, this man's using cheese on people's like thighs or whatever. It was. I just feel like the good times that happened when Kit Simons was appointed, the lift that we got, the sort of we got our Fulham back was starting to be sung. I just feel like that is something we need right now, and I rather, I rather have that now and then get a good manager like Slav earlier on in the season and not have the potential of slipping into a different league when we go down to the championship next season, basically. Um, so I'll just I'll quickly get your predictions uh, for Wednesday night and I'll go to you, John. What, what do you think the score is going to be, mate? Um, I think it's going to be a spectacular 3-0 to Fulham. Start wow. <laughs> Maxi Lamarche on hat-trick. All right. Okay, that... that um, I don't know what to say to that. Um, <laughs> I think I think that's not going to happen, and I think we probably will lose two one. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go three one. I think it's going to be a carbon copy of the uh, of the West Ham game. If I'm being honest, um, and I I don't mind. I don't <laughs> I don't I don't care anymore. I just yeah, uh, <laughs> time whistle goes. Shrug yeah. your shoulders. Yeah. I'm I'm <laughs> Go on, John. I'm just saying, I'm numb. It's, 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 you know, it's beyond hopeless. You know what I mean? We just yeah. only need to make the most out of. Uh, I mean, we've got Chelsea at home as well, so yeah. You know, these these are the games we bloody wanted to play in this league for. Um, That's I'm right. A massive, I'm a massive, massive fan of the championship, and I'm. I feel like it's our place at the moment. I feel like it's like a warm blanket. I'm going to go back and lay in next year. It's going to be lovely. Yeah, but do you know what? This how bad the season has been. It, it it's so worth it just because of. January to May last year. Totally. And that's a and very I'll good point to bring up. Yeah. Because we yeah, mustn't... If... Go on. Go on, John. So, yeah, of, of course. Like, I'm not suggesting, you know, I, I didn't not want to be promoted, but I think like the realisation of the season and how much of a train wreck it's been has kind of been a bit disheartening. Um, but, yeah, we go, we're, we're going to get relegated. And all we're going to do is try and come back to, and do this all over again. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're, you're playing a game and all you want to do is just sort of turn the difficulty up a little bit and go again, rather than actually, you know, yeah. playing a league that is just completely boring. But, That's you right. know, we are where we are, and it was worth it. Yeah, it was totally worth it. And, you know... Just, mean... just for the parachute payments. That's all we did it for. Yeah, exactly. We'll, just, we'll, we'll go up and we'll come down again. We'll go up, we'll come down again. Yeah, another we'll four do... years. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully sooner this time. I do have a lot of faith that we will come back up maybe a bit quicker this time. Hopefully we are learning. But then again, we don't seem like we are. Well, the cards don't anyway. All right, guys. Well, this this has been, you know, it's always lovely to talk to, you know, fellow Fulham fans in rehab. So this, this has been lovely. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. So um, thank you all for listening at home. If you've got 20 out of 28, please give us a buzz or a message and we will certainly praise you with lots of glory and honorable mentions in the pod or on our Twitter page. And thank you all for listening. We are on Spotify as well as iTunes and the iPod or the podcast app. So just go for that if you've got Spotify. If you don't, do your usual thing. All right. So we will also be having potentially, I don't know, if we do win, on that fateful night this Wednesday. We might have a pod. And if we do lose, we certainly won't have a pod. But, you know, who cares? So it's good night from me, and it's good night from John. Good night. Good night. And that is good night from that is good night from Matt Dom. Good night, all. Legends. Alright, see you soon, guys. Fulham.